Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> got your earbuds? Yeah, I got them in, so should be good to go. So I gotta ask you, because the podcast is called Behind the Wheel, are you always behind the wheel? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So living in Baltimore, in the inner city, I was present when the Freddie Gray riots occurred. Baltimore was actually the first city in America to come up with a essentially legal way to ban African Americans' property ownership within white residential areas. Nation is a two-sided marketplace where we introduce artisanal and emerging uh, brands, mainly snack brands, to consumers at key moments where they're most engaged. Hi, I'm Derek, and this is Behind the Wheel, a show dedicated to highlighting the accomplishments of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things in the community. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. Is that better? It is better. I hear you very clearly. Okay, good. All right, so let me do this. It's Ngozi, right? Um, well, technically it's pronounced Ungazi. Ungazi, but Ungazi. most people just say Ngozi, and so do I. Ungazi. So what yes. is the, what is, is it, is it, is it, what, say, say it again, Ungazi. Un, Ungazi, it means blessing. It is Igbo. Okay, Ungazi. Nigerian. Brenda, Brenda Ungazi Stallings. Yes. That All is right. correct. All right, so let's do this introduction and get started. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. We have a very special guest today. She is a world-class traveler. <laughs> yes, that is correct. The only woman in Arkansas to complete all six of the majors. The one and only Brenda Ngazi Stallings. Hi. The Duchess. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you for asking. Good, good. So, I gotta know, are you a um, a five bucks lady or are you a D and D lady, or do you even um, drink coffee? I don't drink coffee, Derek. I'm hmm. sorry. I drink oh. tea. Tea. Oh, excuse me. Is that with croissants? <laughs> <laughs> that would be if I was in Paris right now and if Paris was open to tourists. So yeah. Mm. With croissants, but or or with is that cro- croissants? Cross. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. That's the. <laughs> That's the uh, that's the hood version translation, right. I should say. Okay. Croissants. Croissants. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I should have some now with with a smear of, of, of butter or whipped cream or something. No, no, no. You just eat the croissant by itself. That's all. Tea. Wow. Yeah. I guess yeah. everyone is not a um is not a coffee drinker. I I maybe tasted coffee once in my life. My mother is a tea drinker. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm a tea drinker. So is my dad, actually. He's a tea drinker. Oh, okay. I used to drink tea. Just Lipton. Nothing, um, you know. My favorite is Yellow Label Lipton tea, but it can't be found in the United States, so I try to pick it up when I'm traveling. You said Black Label? It's Yellow Label. Yellow Label. Oh, okay. Yes. It is Black Tea, but it's called Yellow Label Lipton tea. It's like the, it's on the black market or something? Or is it just... <laughs> It would be the black market here in the U.S. This <laughs> is special tea. I gotta look into this now and see what this tea is. My mom was a was a um, a tea drinker. She would drink tea from from time to time. Sometimes I felt if I felt like I if I was in five bucks, I would get the um, like this passion tea or whatever, and, and and add some honey and lemon to it, and call myself a, a tea drinker. 
I don't know what time you're supposed to be drinking tea, but anyhow, everyone's not a coffee drinker. Supposedly, Anderson Cooper um, just recently started drinking, tried coffee for the first time, and 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 it blew his mind. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So when you say five bucks, you must be. Are you referring to the? Store or the Starbucks place? Starbucks, yes. Ah, Starbucks. Okay. It's called right. five bucks. Most of their coffees are five dollars or more. So. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to try. You know, we've been trying to get this coordinated for some time, and I'm, oh, I'm well, glad we have. We have. I'm glad we finally are able to to do that. So for those people who may not be familiar with you. Uh, Brenda, why don't you share a little bit about yourself, how you started on this road to, to running. And, um, yeah, we'll go from there. Okay. Well, I started running in uh, my early 30s. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't even own a pair of gym shoes. Mm. So I was here in Little Rock, Arkansas, and just trying to figure out, you know, what to do on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> my friends said, you know, let's look in the newspaper and see what, what kind of activities are going on. So there was tennis and swimming. And then the Little Rock Marathon had just started. Mm-hmm. And they had a free, that was the key word, free startup <laughs> group. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is free. <laughs> I can just go out there. So I remember calling Hobbit and saying, hey, what time do I show up? And she gave me the time, 6 a.m., show up at this place. So I showed up, do not laugh, Derek. I showed up with some Gucci gym shoes on because that's all I owned. What'd you say? And Gucci? Gucci gym shoes. You just walk in those. You don't really I, run. <laughs> right. That would be the key because obviously I didn't know. Um, and they looked at me and started laughing. I was like, oh, I can I walk y'all. You know, like I'm young. <laughs> I got this. And those ladies out walked me. <clears throat> and it probably wasn't even a good six miles or so. And I immediately called my girlfriend and was like, oh, my God, what do I do? And she was like, so what did you have on your feet? I was like, I had on my gym shoes. She was like, no, boo. That's not how it works and so she actually bought like some shoes and mailed them to me so the next Saturday I legitimately had on some more appropriate shoes um and started training for the Little Rock it was a half marathon at that time I trained for the half marathon first Mm -hmm. and so um I did that and then well it was more like a what do you call it um well it wasn't really the full half marathon it's where you, you you Pass off to somebody. A relay. Yeah, it was a relay part of it. And afterwards, that's when I said, okay, let me train for a 5K, a true half marathon, and then a full marathon and and do this properly. And I've been running ever since then. I took maybe a two-year break in 19, in, uh, let's see, 2010, so Maybe 2008, 2009, I took mm-hmm. a two-year break from running altogether, and then I jumped back into it in 2010. Okay, so you've done um, quite a few half marathons. I think I'm at 95 now. Okay. My goal was to finish up this year and hit 100 by December, but that's obviously not going to happen because there aren't any marathon half marathons going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've all been canceled because of COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. So how are you adjusting to to all of this uh, non-travel? Well, it's interesting because at the beginning of the year, I was going, 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 and I had gone to Nigeria, 
And um, unfortunately, I got stranded in Nigeria for yes. many <laughs> I mean, no, more days. <laughs> right. I, I know you're not. Many more days than I expected. And so I almost had a quarantine in Nigeria. So I, I mm -hmm. had my feel of it. I get back home, and next thing you know, I'm quarantined again. So I'm, I'm thankful in the sense that I am quarantined here in the United States and at my home with my, my people and my family. Um, but I had a taste of it when I was in Nigeria, so it didn't throw me off, mm -hmm. probably as much as it may have thrown other people off in terms of you can't go anywhere, you know, you're limited in your activity, you know, that kind of stuff. Stay, stay in place, shelter in place. So that was fine. I had already traveled. And I just think of all the travels that I've done in the past. I don't regret any of it. And I'm glad I went to every single place that I could possibly go because I don't know how the world is is going to embrace Americans. And I don't know how we will travel internationally uh, when the world actually opens up. Mm -hmm. you know? So how are, how are you adjusting, though? Are you having withdrawal system sim um, symptoms? Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it withdrawal. It is a, definitely a new world for me. Um, mm -hmm. I was The other day I was, you know, sweeping and mopping on a Saturday, and my sister <laughs> came over, and I was like, wow, so what, what do... What do you do the next Saturday? Like, if I mop this week, what do I do next week? Like, is this something people do every week? Yes. And I say that. Yes. Yes. Well, it's for me, you know, as as needed and required, you know, it's. Well, the thing is, for me, I wasn't home much, so I wasn't in my living room. I wasn't in my dining room. You know, I come in. Drop off my clothes, wash clothes, repack my bag, go to my room, use the kitchen limitedly, go to work, come back, and then by Friday I was out and I wouldn't come back until Saturday, Sunday night, Monday morning. You know, mm -hmm. so I wasn't using different parts of the house. So it's like, wow, there's a whole living room here and look at that. I don't have any plants or any, you know, paintings on the wall. Like, Did you get I'm, plants and paintings? No. no. <laughs> and I'm sitting here thinking maybe I should like decorate a little bit more and do some do you things have, here. I gotta add, do you have curtains at least? Or, I um, have blinds. Blinds. Oh, I okay. have blinds. I do not have curtains. And that's something else I recognize. You know, it's just I don't have a TV. There's just certain things that most people have in a house that I just don't have. I literally use the kitchen, my bedroom, bathroom, and the wash and dryer. And that was it. So now it is an adjustment in the sense of, okay, I am here at the house, and I'm mopping, and I'm sweeping, because my niece <laughs> and my nephews come over, and it's like, oh, well, I'm watching not watching, but, you know, on, on the computer, I might see a HGTV kind of show and think, oh, I could buy a painting or put a painting up or, you know, buy a plant or something, you know, and do I need a TV? You know, that those kind of things. So it has definitely been an adjustment because I'm usually not home. Yeah, yeah. I think I, 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 um, I looked at the baseboards in the, in the bathroom and I was like, you know, there's dust there. I should probably... <laughs> wash the baseboards and this is after you know because now i've been in the house you know you're going on like two months now and i'm like right what else this is I, so i get that part of it but the, the whole idea of of you calling your sister and asking like what should i do i mean is this something you do like, like what do people do what do people do on the weekend what, on the this weekends. Is normal. like do you sweep every do you mop every saturday and she was like yeah you do because usually you're at home throughout the weekend you're using your home it's like oh Oh, okay. 
So now you you started this this adventure saying you know I want to do the uh, the world majors. What what sparked that your interest in in, in completing that? Well, truth be told, my goal was to finish a half marathon in every state. Mm -hmm. And I think I got stuck on state, like, number 37. And, you know, at that point, it was like, you need to do North Dakota, South Dakota. And the flight tickets from Arkansas were $400 and $500. Mm -hmm. Well, for that price, I could just go to Europe. So every time it was time for me to do North Dakota, do Fargo, do South Dakota, something, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go to Paris instead. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's kind of stopped the whole track in terms of doing the half marathons in every state. I'll end up um, being invited to run the New York marathon. And mm -hmm. so that was my very first uh, world major. And once I completed New York, you know, I quietly put my name in the hat for Chicago and was accepted. And I ran Chicago and it was like, oh, well, okay, I have two down. Let me just keep going along this path. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, there was Berlin. And then, you know, I was able to raise money for the National Black Marathoners Association for Boston. And then I was able to, I actually applied for Tokyo and got in Tokyo. And mm -hmm. so it, it just really snowballed. And next thing you know, I was done. And I was like, wow, you know, that was almost easier to do than to actually finish the states because there's only six, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's how that happened. I kind of stumbled into it, but I'm so thankful that I did it because, again, I went to Tokyo. I never had any plans to go to Tokyo. Okay. And I went with a great group of people. Um, I had been to Berlin before and had run a half marathon but I never run, even considered running the Berlin Marathon. And mm -hmm. I, I've been to London numerous times and did not have a, a great experience. I just thought London was, meh. This time, when I went to London, I had a fabulous time. Again, I went with a great group of runners, and we were all over London. And I, mm -hmm. I saw London in a different vein, much less during the race. I just broke down crying when I saw... Uh, big big band because all I could think of is my grandparents and great grandparents. They never, in their wildest dreams, mm -hmm. could envision running the streets of London to for fun. And I just thought, wow, I am blessed, and I'm doing something that my ancestors never could, could, wouldn't even have thought of, but you know, much less had a conversation of. And I'm doing it, and mm. so that was quite emotional because that was my last. That was my last world major. Tokyo. Yeah. Oh, no, London, London. London. Oh, that's yeah. right, 2019. Yeah, I'm looking correct. at it the way you have it on this thing. I thought it was in, in, in chronological order. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's I, I realized that how, Yeah, it's based on the <laughs> banner that the world majors put up, and then I just put the years up. Yeah, I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, but uh, where's, why is London there? And it's 20. Okay, you did two in one year. Yeah. All right, well, this is it. Yeah, that makes sense now. Well, thank you for that. But you, 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 you have quite a bit of experience in traveling and be able to share little tidbits for those who want to, you know, uh, always be on 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 a flight <clears throat> out. 
That is true. But I learned something when I was stranded in Nigeria. And one thing I learned is that everybody needs to have a plan B. You either need to have somebody back in the United States who you can count on to help you navigate if something happens and you're stuck somewhere. And two, you need to have some money to get the hell up out of a country if you get stuck somewhere. So those are two things that I really learned being stranded in Nigeria. And maybe three, you need a support system in the country that you're stuck in. Mm -hmm. And so I really traveled, you know, randomly. I would close my eyes and almost throw a dart at the map and be like, oh, I think I'm going go to go to Budapest. I think I'm going to go to Slovenia. You know, just mm-hmm. na- naming off random places without any thought in my mind that the airport might close on me or that the country borders may close. And so with Nigeria, it wasn't COVID-19. It was a dust storm. Never in my wildest dream mm-hmm. did I ever think that every single airport and all airlines would be shut down because of a dust storm. And that's what happened in Nigeria. So at that point, you know, I was scrambling, like, what do I do? Where do I stay? Do I have enough money to stay? How long will this dust storm land and last? And what do I do about my job back home? Which are all questions that I never had before. Mm -hmm. I travel, I go in, pop in, because that was my goal, pop in, see my dad and come back home. And so when COVID-19 hit, you know, now I'm telling people, you know, be more aware that when the world opens back up, that the way they close these borders could happen again. Mm. So be prepared in terms of how are you going to get to the airport? Do you have a plan B? Do you know anybody in the country? And a few people actually contacted me right before borders actually closed closed uh-huh. and said, oh, I have a trip. What do you think I should do? And I said, well, based on my recent experience in Nigeria, I don't know if I would do that. Because if something happens and this virus becomes more serious than we think it is, you're going to be stuck somewhere. And lo and behold, you know, they thankfully, at least the three people who talked to me listened. Mm -hmm. And maybe a week later, the borders closed. And they would have been stuck in those countries. So, you know, I think people need to be more aware of where they're going, what kind of money they have, what kind of backup plan they have, what's going to happen to their job. And now we have the issue of being quarantined if you come back or going to a country and your temperature is too high and they quarantine you for two weeks. Do you have this time off from work to be stuck in a country for 14 days and not see anything? You know, be stuck in a hotel or wherever the, you know, country places yeah. you to quarantine you. You know, so those are things I think people need to be more mindful of mm-hmm. in this travel game that, that we have that we were not mindful of before. Yes, yeah, something you didn't even have to take into consideration. Oh, not at all. We buy a ticket, hop on a plane and be gone. I literally would buy a ticket and be in Paris for the weekend and come back home. It, I, I don't think travel will be that easy anymore. No, my, si- that my sister was in, um, in Barbados with my dad. <clears throat> and so... I have, you know, two sisters, well, three sisters, and one is a little bit more, um, you know, she's, she's, you know, she's, she's working from home, so she's got the laptop up, she's got, you know, the TV going, and CNN is on, and so she's staying up to date with what's going on on the news, and my other sister, Eleanor, is in Barbados with my dad, and Yvonne is like, I think you need to uh, get that flight and get on out of there. She's like, no, it should be okay, and and then, you know, she's like, no, no, I'm telling you, you need to get the flight. You need to come on home. And so, you know, Ella eventually luckily said, okay, let me start inquiring about getting the flight. And she did. 
after that flight that she had took, they closed the borders and yeah, right. stopped the flights and restriction them because. But at that point, I don't think Barbados had any any uh, any, any reported cases. But that with people traveling in there, then they kind of brought it into Correct. the country, and then that was that was it. So yeah, you get you just got to kind of um, yeah, it's it's definitely gonna be a, a new world. It will be. Mm-mm. And so, how has it impacted uh, work? Well, for me, I'm as an attorney. I, I actually practice in the courtroom, mm-hmm. and our Supreme Court here in Arkansas has suspended all in-person court hearings. So we have been doing court by Zoom mm. since March the 13th. Yeah. Okay. And so that's what that's what we're doing. For a person like me, you know, I'm a black attorney and most of my clients are African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it saddens me in the sense that I'm not able to talk to my clients in person, but it's definitely necessary. Because I still have to protect myself and I have to protect my family and the people I work with. So I can't go over to the jail and talk to my clients or I can't talk to my clients in person. I have to talk to them over the phone or or through Zoom. Mm. You know, I kind of hate that part Mm -hmm. of it, but I definitely understand it. And I don't wish it was any other kind of way. Um, because again, it's a a safety issue for myself and for my family. Yeah. So now as a, 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 a black female attorney and marathoner running in Little Rock, Arkansas. How has, um, have, have you experienced any, any <clears throat> discrimination or, or harassment while you're out on the run? What, what adventures outside of uh, normal getting chased by a dog or looking for? Well, <clears throat> um, my area is, um, I, I kind of, I run in my area. Mm-hmm. There are times I run downtown and I'll run part of the Little Rock half marathon route or even some of the Little Rock marathon route that might take me to the Heights, which is not necessarily a black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not had any issues in the Heights. I probably haven't had any issues running for years, maybe even 10 years or so. Uh, Just recently, though, after Ahmad was murdered, the next day, my nephew and I were taking a walk in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. which is primarily African-American ma- neighborhood, with a few sprinkles of regentrification going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and this woman, a white woman, was walking with her dog, and she spoke. Now, I know I heard her, and I spoke back. Mm-hmm. And there were cars coming, and my nephew was behind me, who I take care of. He's a tall, six-foot, you know, 14-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. And I saw the woman look back at him and look back at the dogs and look back at him and look back at the dogs and mouth something. So at that point, I'm heightened and I'm nervous. And I finally look at him and say, what what happened? Like, did you say something? Did she say something to you? I spoke and turned my head back Uh around. What what happened? And he was like, I don't know. Well, I don't know why she keeps looking at us. And finally, I can hear her say, now she's on the other side of the street, Derek. She, she's not even close to uh-huh. us. She says, I spoke to you. Oh. Well, you know, I flipped out <laughs> at that point. <laughs> I spoke to you. <laughs> like, I spoke to you. And I, I stopped it. At that point, I'm crossing the street, and I stop in the middle of the street. Traffic is still coming. And I turned around, and I put my hand on my hip, and I started pointing, and I was like, I back to you. You can't make us speak back to you. What you gonna do? Call the police because we didn't speak to you? We spoke. Officer, she didn't speak to me. Right. 
and she was like, I'm sorry. And I was like, you should be sorry. What you going to do, harass us? Because we speak. We have a right to speak or not to speak. And if we chose not to speak, that's our prerogative. What you going to do, berate us in the street when I'm speaking to you? Of course, my nephew was right. My nephew was like, B, just keep walking. Just keep walking. And you need to get out the middle of the street. Cars are coming. And I was like, you know, what they going to do? Run me over? I'm talking to this woman because she said we speak. And he's like, oh, God. Like, he just wants to melt into the sidewalk. I am going off. And I probably went off probably the whole way back home. Like, what's she going to do? What was she going to do? Call me? She going to do shoot us because we ain't speak? Like, I'm all just just all over the board mad about this. Mm. But, you know, I, I have a... I have a valid reason to be mad. You know, this young man was murdered mm -hmm. <laughs> and all he was doing was jogging. You know, I don't care what they say in terms of looking into a, 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 a home that's under construction. You know, I'm an attorney. When it the, Forget the Facebook lawyers. When it comes to criminal trespass, you have to have a victim. Mm -hmm. And once the owner said he didn't know the boy was in the home until later on when he saw the video that he had no contact, he mean the owner of the construction home had no contact with the McMichaels except for one time many moons ago with the youngest boy, Travis. Mm -hmm. the, the neighbors were, were out of their element. They, they took matters in their own hands that they didn't have true knowledge of. Mm. And, and that's the problem I have. You know, when you have trespass, you have to have a victim. And with them not knowing whether there was truly a victim, meaning the owner had not given this young man permission or the owner had told this young man not to be on the property, they were out of bounds. Mm. They were out of bounds to even do a citizen's arrest. And that's just the bottom line to it. And that's what makes me sad is that you have all these people jumping in. He shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have done this. Talking about the murder mm -hmm. victim. He, he should have kept on jogging or he shouldn't have been in the home or they have a right to do a citizen's arrest. You know, that they, they did not have a right to do a citizen's arrest. And I, I'm sad that even there were police and DAs that thought it was okay to let them go when the police department even asked for them to be detained from the jump. Yeah. And so that, that saddens me and has actually made me not want to run since he was murdered. I did the 2.23 mm -hmm. on Friday, but I haven't really wanted to run. I just think, so is somebody going to run up on me and say, oh, she was running. She had on all black. Mm -hmm. You know, now I'm more mindful. Like today, I, I made sure I had on a pink shirt. And, and I've been walking with my nephew because in a way, I'm kind of scared to go out by myself now and run mm. as free as I did before. So I know Ahmad is, was an African-American male. But as an African-American female, I still have the same fear that the males have. That somebody will say she was doing something she wasn't supposed to do. Yeah. And that... People who know me like you and other people in the run community or people who know me as being a lawyer will have to defend me and say, she's a lawyer. She wouldn't have done that. Or, yeah. she, you know, I'm gonna have to, they're going to have to tell about my good character yeah. and fight for my innocence, you know, and I'm dead. Mm. But and that's not how it should be. And I'm, I'm tired of yeah, it. Is, it is, it's know, unfortunate. It, it's, I mean, in, in, in 2020. It's stressful. Yeah. So is it typical for F.A.? If a, if a district attorney is going to be transferring a case to write a, a three-page letter defending uh, as they're transferring the case, defending or you know their position? Usually, when a case is transferred, people will explain why they transferred mm -hmm. it. 
and we'll and I'll just leave it at that. Everybody and every state has their own way of doing a transfer. It is it is typical to explain why you transferred that there was a conflict and explain what the conflict is. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, um, no. It, again, every state and every DA does it does it differently. Yeah. You know, I'll say it yeah. that way. So yeah. I'm I'm listening to um, I'm just trying to imagine someone knocks on my door. And, and, you know, two people knock on my door and, you know, one's got a shotgun, the other one's got a 357 Magnum. And they say, come on, uh, we're going to we going to get, you know, like this guy. I, I can't imagine. I, we just need you like they go knock on Rowdy's door. What are they? What is the conversation like? Like how he's. I am shaking my head because anybody with a shotgun to me is a threat. You are, that's an aggravated assault charge. That's a terroristic threatening charge. I mean, to me, there's nothing less than a felony here in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. You roll up on me with a gun and I'm running down the street. To me, I'm not even thinking citizen's arrest. Because most people, the majority, don't even know citizen's arrest exists, Mm -hmm. nor do they know what the basis is for every state because the citizen's arrest is different in every state. So everybody collectively would have to know that citizen's arrest was possible and what the grounds were and adhere to those grounds. And and that's just not the case. Yeah. I mean, it, it isn't. Every state is different. So if two black men pulled up in a, uh, in a pickup truck and rolled up on somebody who was white and said, we're going to arrest you because we saw you looking... That wouldn't flow. No. So I, I don't know why people think that the whiteness is the authority because it's not. Yeah, it is. It, it's just scary. It is scary. And I can't imagine. So I'm seeing Rowdy on on, on Cuomo uh, last night. And he I don't know why he's on, <clears throat> on TV in the first place. I mean, it, it's an ongoing case. And based off of my law and order degree, you know... It, I, I wouldn't have my guy on the case. I mean, I, this is this is years I've been practicing law and order. Yeah, you know? I get it. So let me just tell you from a lawyer's perspective, one, we are not magicians. And two, our clients don't always listen to us. Sometimes they do things on their own against our advice. And so all we can do is direct them in the path that will cause least problems later on that we have to But say. he's on there, he's not, on there yeah. with his attorney. I know. I'm just saying. Sometimes we have to direct them on the path that will be the least for us to fix. You know, so we could at least jump on there and say, "Oh, he's not going to answer that question." You know, our our clients hire us, and they they do what they want to do in a lot of cases. Oh Derek, my god! And and it it just seems it. so ridiculous to have him there, and he, Chris is asking questions, and he's like, "Well, you know, he only went to high school." I'm like, you are really doing a good job of making him seem like he, he's so innocent and so he don't really, and that's not really saying much about the edgy. Hedge, hedge. I'm like, this is, this is not really happening. Is this real life? Is this, is this where we are? It is. Some, you can tell me somebody knocks on my door and they say, come on, we're going to rustle up. We're going to get this guy. And you, you just get in your car and go with these people. You don't have any, they've got guns. It's the mob mentality. Yeah. So it's really no different than a, a gang doing that or a clique mm-hmm. doing that and saying, oh, somebody disrespect me. Let's roll up. Yeah, let's them. go get them. It's yeah. no different. And now all of a sudden, yeah, you act like, no I different. didn't know they was going. I, 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 I just jumped in and the And I recorded because I figured uh, yeah. this would be good. <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is really, 
it's really unfortunate. It's sad, and I just don't, um, I just don't understand why this kind of thing continues. You know, growing up, I would go with my dad on on a Saturday, and you know, he, he was a carpenter by trade. So, if I'm running by a house, and you know, someone mentioned, you know, it's a porta potty there, you, you might have to go. You might, oh, let me. Let me peek in and see what, oh, man, this is, look at, is that a header? Look, they're doing this thing, and now somebody sees me come out of this building, and next thing you know, I'm no longer here because somebody felt like it was appropriate to take my life. That's just, uh, yeah, it is. I have definitely used the porta-potties at construction sites. I personally have not walked into a construction Mm -hmm. home without saying something to somebody who was there. So if the home was just mm-hmm. there, I, I wouldn't walk into it, only because I, I just don't have an interest. Yeah. It's just me. But there have been times where the home was a little bit more completed, mm-hmm. and I saw maybe some workers yeah. in there. And I would say, you know, I'd act like, oh, I'm friends with the owner, and be like, oh, I'm just, is someone so yeah. here? And I'm looking all around and kind of being nosy. Now, I've done that yeah. before. Um, you know, I've def- definitely done that because I'm, re- you know, I'm just like, oh, this is a cute little home mm-hmm. here. Oh, they got two bedrooms, you know. I've definitely looked around. I'm not as interested in the construction yeah. home, but that's just me. I just think, oh, somebody's building a home. Like, there's a home down the street. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it and I remember stopping in the street and looking at the home, but I would not have gone onto the property. But then, again, that's the lawyer in me that just says that's not my property and I'm not yeah. going to go there. I, I don't have a reason to be there. Understood. So now, what, what should what should we yeah. do in terms of after after the protests um, are done? What what should we do in terms of getting laws on the on the books or off the books or enforced to to prevent this kind of thing from from happening in the future? We've heard it many times, Eric, and sometimes we listen and sometimes we, we don't. It's four, it's four letters. It's a four-letter word. It's mm-hmm. vote. We vote for our DAs. We vote for our legislators who make our laws and put them on the books. We vote for all of these people. So while everybody is focused, and rightfully so, on a, a presidency, they should also be focused on their local elections. So when you decide who your DA is going to be, you you need to see what their record is and and talk to people in the neighborhood and talk to other lawyers who you trust and say, is this a good person and should we vote for them? In a lot of places, the sheriff is is either appointed or um, elected. And in some cases, the mayor will appoint a sheriff or a police department head or something like that. So be mindful of who you vote for in terms of the DA positions, in terms of your mayor positions, in terms of the legislators, and that they are advocating for you. And people who decide not to vote, you are leaving it in the hands of those who are going to get out and vote. And they may not vote in your interest. And and that's the, the key right there. We have a lot of power. So when people don't show up for the polls, when they say it's a million people in a city and only 10,000 voted, that's a problem. That's a major problem. If they say there's half a million people in the city and only 15,000 voted, that's a major problem. You are leaving the votes up to those few people who show up. You know, I say that for even my neighborhood. Our last election, I think I was number 596 to vote. Something ridiculous considering there's over 3,000 people just probably in my little two-span block Mm -hmm. here or three-span block. So, you know, we need to vote. 
out. And that's how laws change. That's how uh, situations are changed in terms of who's hired, you know, because, again, for me, as far as I know, I'm not only full-time black public defender who works juvenile in the state of Arkansas, in the entire state of Arkansas. And that makes mm. a difference. So, I mean, yeah. so you have it mandatory to, to serve on, on a jury. Has there ever been talk about making it mandatory to vote? I have not heard that. I have not heard that. Yeah. See, that's... And I don't know if you could make that mandatory, because what you going to do, uh, put people, you have to think of consequences. It's almost like just recently, well, just recently, meaning yesterday, <laughs> you know, I'm reading, talking about the mask on mm -hmm. the planes and that we're, you know, United, Delta, American, all, oh, you need to wear a mask. And then they come out last night and say, well, we can't enforce it. We, we can't give any negative consequences if you decide not to wear a mask. So you're telling us that we need to wear a mask, but if we don't, there are no consequences. You have to look at consequences like that. So if we tell people it's mandatory to vote and then they don't vote, what are the consequences? We're going to jail them? We're going to hold them in contempt? We're going to fine them? We don't have any consequences for people who don't I mean, it's, it's just as random as I guess yeah. they come up with if you park in a, a, a handicap zone. Uh, let's make it, uh, what do you think? 110, 116. What what you think, Charlie? 125, 119 sounds like a, I they come up with some random number for a um for a fine. They do come up with a number for a fine, but what the difference is when it comes to parking in a a handicap zone is that you have to have a car and a mm -hmm. license. When it comes to voting, that's going to be across the board with everybody whether they have a car or a license or what. So what, what are they going to do to somebody who is handicapped and who didn't turn in their voter registration through mail and then they don't vote, but they can't, they don't have a vehicle or transportation to get to the voting poll. Are we now going to jail people or fine people? You know, because at that point you're discriminated against those who may not have the transportation to get to, you know, to get to the voting place. Unlike the mm -hmm. jury duty, you can give an excuse or a reason why you can't participate in jury duty and then you are allowed off the jury panel. So there's a little difference gotcha. with that. I just was curious about it. I just thought, thought about it as we were talking. But um, yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah, I tried to be on the jury panel once. They excused me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, no, I can be impartial. Like, sure. Oh, no, I don't think. Yeah, no, good no, with no. You. Thank I'm you. Good. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, they were like, uh, you can be excused. It's like, no. <laughs> I don't want to. I want to, I want to be off for a week. I seriously want to be here. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Miss Stallings. <laughs> That's exactly what they said. Thank you very mm -hmm. much. I was going to say... They, they never, never called, called you back. back. They, they, they put a, they put a, no. they put a, something in your file. Don't send not even notices anymore to you. Yeah, mm -mm. I think so. I'm so sad. So, what would have been the, the next uh, race on on the horizon for you? Oh, I think I was signed up for something in Oregon mm -hmm. in May. Yeah, my again, my goal was to finish what four races and then do St. Jude in December, and that would be my 100th half marathon. Mm. Um, but like I said, that's not gonna happen. So I'm all, all right. So I, I know you you you've got your support group for uh, people who who haven't you know having those um, travel restrictions and withdrawals. 
Oh my God, my my travel group is is amazing, and we we've been sharing information, and a lot of us have friends who live out of the mm-hmm. country. And um, I think we're more concerned about how people will treat Americans than anything, because from the outsider's point of view, America has not um, embraced shelter mm-hmm. at home and restrictions. And we are afraid that other countries will say, OK, America, you couldn't obey your own mm-hmm. rules. You had to get your haircut. You had to go shopping. You had to protest. Therefore, will you respect our rules when we implement it? If you're not willing to wear a mask, excuse me, on a plane, when you go to France, because I just talked to my girlfriend, Tanisha, she said they finally let us out and everybody has to wear a mask. So I write her back and say, everybody? She said, oh, the, the French don't play. Everybody has a mask on here. So if we can't wear a mask to, to the store here or on a plane, what are we going to do when we hit Paris in yeah. France? Are we going to be willing to wear a mask? And I'm afraid, and other people in my travel circle says, that we're afraid of what other countries are going to think of us if we can't obey yeah. rules yeah. and laws. And so that's that's probably our concern. I, I'm willing to sit down, Derek. I'm, I'm gonna have to just mop and clean up the house over and over again, and I'll take a look at my what did you call them? Baseboard. baseboard. <laughs> and say if they, yeah, I'll take a look at them and see if they need yes. to be clean. I'm gonna have a seat. I'm gonna see how the world adjusts. I want to see if there's a. a a completion of the first wave, much less a second wave, um, before I actually go anywhere. All my tickets were canceled anyway. Oh, man. Well, I have one ticket for Thanksgiving. Delta hasn't canceled it yet, but I wow. know they will. So I'm not worried about it. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much, Brenda. I appreciate you taking the time and offering your legal expertise. And um, Oh, my God. It's a pleasure. Thank you. you. You enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>